We've been endeavoring to challenge the way that we see and understand the purpose of our lives as Christians. might sound a little bit funny, but in a sense, that's what we've been doing as we've been studying through the book of Acts. What's the purpose that we're here for? Why are we called today? Why has the Lord saved us? Why has he put us in community? Why does he give us this mandate? And yet, why is it also a struggle at times? So we've been trying to challenge ourselves, and um, I would love to hear sometime, uh, perhaps we'll, as we close up the series in the next few weeks, we'll give opportunity just to hear what God has spoken to you. Where have you been challenged, and um, where are you feeling the strong stirring in your spirit to um, obey throughout this commissioning or recommissioning of this community? I was asking myself a question as I was thinking about the text this morning, the theme of this portion of Acts, is knowing God the apex of our faithful expression. It's coming to an understanding of who God is. Is that, is that it for us as Christians? And then I thought to myself, while it is, it isn't. It ought to be complementary to this idea to this truth, to this mandate to take the gospel. The two go hand in hand. They complement one another. This idea of understanding God, who God is, is, is known as the gospel is taken, as the gospel is massaged into our own hearts. The impetus is to go and is to send it. And as I shared with you guys a couple of um, weeks ago, I think I shared with you the, the dream that I had. It was... Are we to be gospel consumers or are we to be gospel sowers? And the answer is both, but not one to the detriment of the other. We can't sow so much that our own lives haven't fully grasped the reality of the message for ourselves, and we can't just consume it for ourselves to the detriment of not ever taking it and not ever going. So my hope as we look through the book of Acts, as we have done for the last few months, under the lens of the power and the proclamation is what we've been calling this series, that we would find that balance between gospel faithfulness, the balance of gospel faithfulness to what scripture has called us, between our pursuit of the knowledge of Christ and our pursuit of spreading the message of Christ Jesus. And I think that if we look for that balance, we'll find it, because scripture is always clear. We ought to always look for what's the minimum level of faithfulness that the gospel calls us to, that the gospel requires, because the gospel does require something of us. Our lives have a requirement, and sometimes we want to throw that off and say, no, no, no. No, I live in freedom, but the reality is is that there is a requirement that's placed upon you and upon me, and it's that balance, again, of knowing him and taking him. So as we've studied Acts, we've seen that this requirement does not come with unspecified or obscure or empty directives, but rather it comes with what we ought to take, what we ought to do, what we can expect. And I was thinking about it. This picture came to my mind, and this is kind of funny, but I'll share it with you because I think it's fun. I think some of us feel like this sometimes. We're just hanging on for dear life, we're in, a, we're in a preserver waiting for the mothership to come and pick us up. Some of you look like this. <laughs> Something you fashioned together yourself, your own human efforts out to sea. Notice there's no sail, or it's actually very teeny. 
<laughs> that looks more like a beacon, doesn't it? That's a rescue flag. But the reality is, is that this is what the life that we've been called to, right? A ship so big it doesn't even fit in the picture. A forceful naval vessel that's careening towards an objective and a mission. <laughs> We're a warship, you guys. That's what the community of Christ Jesus is. It's a warship. It's built for the sea upon which it's been thrust into. It's equipped with the most powerful artillery, right? It has the surest of navigation systems. And it's commanded by the most powerful and most feared and most victorious of war generals. Who, by the way, has gone before us and dismantled that minefield that was waiting ahead of the ship. So our mission is clear. Our directives are clear. Our way is sure. Our artillery is the best. This is who we are as a community. This is the reality that I believe that the Lord is wanting to just massage into our hearts as we've studied through the book of Acts. So I'll leave that up there for a moment, and I'll let you consider the certainty of which you are called into the mission field. So it's the certainty that I want to look at today. Um, actually, I have to go back because I can't leave it up. Do me a favor. Head back just one keynote, just so that you guys have got it in case you want it. So the theme of today's... Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> Just to really encourage you, let me, let me remind <laughs> the theme of The theme of today, looking through the book of Acts, is that the fruit of a faithful witness is certain. And when I say certain, I don't mean that it's specific, as in like there's certain effects. It's certain as in it's absolute. The fruit of a faithful witness is absolute. Think about that just for a moment. It's unquestionable. There's an assurance that we have as gospel proclaimers that our faithful witness will bear fruit. It will bear fruit. It's not a hope. It's not a wish. Although it is a desire, it's a certainty. And I hope to show you why this morning. As I said two weeks ago, his ministry is our ministry and if that's true, then his purpose is our purpose, and his power is our power. Right? Can you agree with me on that? His ministry is ours. His purpose is ours. It's the same with us. And the power through which he accomplished that is the same power which resides within us and which sends us today. So then can we not logically expect that through our faithfulness that his fruitfulness will also be our fruitfulness? Now, of course, we know we can't separate that from God's sovereignty, so we can't throw away all the things that we've said over the last few months and look at this in isolation. We hold it within the context of God's sovereign choice and God's sovereign plan, but there's a hope, and this is what I think the Lord really wants to get at. This is a rather simple message that I have this morning, but I believe the Lord wants to root within us a great hope and an encouragement as we take the gospel so the point is this, that our gospel proclamation is not tethered to wishful or hopeful thinking, but it's anchored, it's rooted, it finds its origins within God's eternal purpose of redemption. 
That is where the hope of our fruitfulness lies. It's tethered to the eternal purposes of God's redemptive plan for mankind. And I think there's a great need for us to find our place within his story rather than the other way around of trying to find where he fits into our plan. And I think, too, one of the things God wants to do through this day is to give us a right perspective that he has been at work from the beginning until the end. But yet he's chosen us. So in one sense, we are completely insignificant in the broad spectrum of his plan. But on the other, we are incredibly important and vitally needed to do that which he has called us to do in this day and age. So let's look at Acts chapter 3. Turn with me, please. The fruit of a faithful witness is certain. We've looked at this passage of text a couple of times, but we're going to zero in on a different portion of it today, or a different, (laughs) we'll pull a theme out of it, if you will. I'm going to begin, and I'm just going to read from Acts 3, verse 11 through verse 25. And by now, we should all be familiar with what has led up to this. The lame beggar at the gate beautiful, healed Peter and John on their way to prayer. They look at him, and he's healed. And I love what it says here in verse 11. It begins by giving us this really cool picture. While he clung to Peter and John, this is speaking of the man who was, who was just healed. While he clung to Peter and John, All the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and by his name... Sorry, I lost my place. By faith in this name, in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed you for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Verse 22, Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who come after him also proclaimed these days. Verse 25, and this is the important verse for us this morning. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring 
shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Father, we receive your word today. Thank you so much, Lord, that it is living for us, that you speak to us through it, that you desire to conform us into your image, and we receive that this morning today in the name of Jesus Christ. And so that verse 25 again, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. I believe with this statement, Peter is tying together at that very moment, in light of what had happened, in light of the healing of the lame beggar, the power of the gospel to bring both physical and spiritual healing, which is what we see in that miracle, and the covenant promise of God to Abraham that his offspring would be a blessing to all the nations. It's not not a coincidence in this text that we read in verse 25. Peter understood the Old Testament covenant. Peter knew that which was promised in Christ Jesus. And he tied together the old covenant with that which Jesus Christ was now doing on the earth and realized that the saving and the healing of this man wasn't just an isolated incident because of what had taken place prior at Pentecost, but it was now the plan of the Lord as tied to his covenant promise with Abraham long, long ago that they were now a blessing to the nations. It originated in their understanding that as sons of Abraham, as Peter says, their ministry was to further the blessing that God had promised to the earth they would be because of their faith. This is who we are. Do you see this? This is who the church is. It was about maybe about a year ago that this, was, this idea was introduced on a Sunday. Rick brought it, and it had profound impact at that time. I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, this is just a continuation of God's plan, of God's promise. And as we're going to look and see in here in just a moment, it was originated by God. It's been preserved and continued and fulfilled by God, and now we just continue within that plan here on earth. The advancement of the gospel through our faithful witness fulfills God's covenant promise to impart blessing to all nations through Abraham's offspring of which we are today. This is why our faithful witness guarantees fruitfulness. It guarantees specific results. It originates within God's eternal purpose of rescuing from darkness those whom he calls. And I believe then we begin to see it within the right perspective. We find ourselves within his story and not our own. When we see that this has always been his plan, that this has always been his heart, and as we're going to see, it's been that which he has always secured, preserved, and maintained throughout history. And now here we are, whatever today's date is, April 7th, 2019, and he's chosen us as a part of this covenant promise that he made to Abraham. See, I think it gives us not only right perspective, but it should give us a sense of courage and faith that this just isn't something we go about doing casually or when we have the time or even zealously. We're being sent, as that picture showed, that warship 
We're sent with the greatest of mission, with the best and most powerful artillery, with the surest of outcomes, with the most certain of fruits. We are sent into the world. This is our objective. Let's look quickly just at God's, at the origins of this promise. Go back to Genesis. Let's look at chapter 12. I think I've lost control of the keynote, so would you do me a favor and just get us past that? There we go. Genesis 12, beginning in verse 1. This is God calling the man known as Abram, who was yet Abraham. And the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And here's the key, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Genesis 22. Now this is the promise that God makes with Abraham. Genesis 22, verse 15. We're going to look at about three more texts here briefly. Beginning in verse 15, Genesis 22:15, And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this, speaking of his obedience to the Father's command to take Isaac and sacrifice the son whom he promised. Because you have done this, says the Lord, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men. Now turn with me to Genesis 26, four chapters further. The God, as Peter says in Acts chapter 3, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Genesis 26, verse 1. And now we see this promise again to Isaac. Now there was a famine in the land. Sorry, do me a favor. Just keep queuing that up so people, if they don't have the scripture, they can have it there before them. Thank you so much. Now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, and the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you, for to you and your offspring I will give back these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands. And here it is again, and in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Now up to Genesis 28. Beginning in verse 10. So God's promise to Abraham, God's promise to Isaac, and now we see God's promise to Jacob. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night. 
because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And verse 15, behold, I'm with you and will keep you wherever you go and bring you back to this land. And again, Acts chapter three. In light of that, God's promise with Abraham, God's promise to Isaac, God's promise to Jacob that they will be blessed and that through them all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And Peter, knowing this, once again, Acts 3.24, he says to them, and all the prophets who've spoken from Samuel to those proclaim these days, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. I think it's interesting, too, as I was just considering and pondering those three generations of promises that God intentionally spoke one after the other. And Peter, who's Peter speaking to at that moment? He's speaking to Jews, to sons and daughters of Israel. God changed the name of Jacob to Israel. So there's this continuity, I think, that Peter is drawing, again, between the old covenant and the new and that which, there, it wasn't this break, and this was, but now we know that Peter knew that the gospel had come through the person of Christ Jesus, and that he was furthering that blessing to the nations, that that was part of his cry. And that's, that call of, of um, Jacob can be found in Genesis chapter 35. Of course, we don't need to look at it, but just in the context, I just thought that was kind of neat that it was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, but also Israel. And actually, God, after renaming Jacob, he confirms his promise again with Jacob, now known as Israel, for a second time. And I thought that was rather neat as well. So the same promise that God made with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, known as Israel, continues through his church today, the new Israel. Peter understood this. We know that it did not just go to the, to, the, to the Israelites, but it went to the whole known world as the promise promised to the Gentiles alike, that they would be grafted in to the promise through faith, just as Abraham, a man of faith, believed and acted. And let's look at what Paul has to say in Galatians chapter 3. Paul has something to say about this being of the promise, being of the seed of Abraham. Galatians chapter three, verse seven. Know then that this is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreknowing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. 
So that covenant promise was extended to the Gentiles, of which, of course, we are a part of. We are the sons of Abraham. We, along with the Jews, the Gentiles are also part of the covenant promise. Therefore, that promise is also for us. The witness of the church, who we now are in faith, the witness of the church is found within the promise of God to bring blessing to the earth through the offspring of Abraham. And as witnesses, we now participate in that covenant promise. And he says in Genesis 3.22, by myself I have sworn. And that was such an important, important aspect because as we know later, in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews would talk about that in Hebrews chapter, chapter six. And he says that so when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his promise, he guaranteed it with an oath. That promise was secured by God on himself. Therefore, it could not be broken. Are you seeing this? Am I doing okay job here putting this together to show us that us, our mission today is, has not changed from that which God promised he would do through the offspring of Abraham. God's oath-bound promise was not only for Abraham, but for all who would follow in the footsteps of faith. And it's because of that that Peter would later say, or earlier say in Acts chapter two, he says the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. It's often, I think, that as we consider this, you are a blessing, that I will bless you and I will bless the nations. Of course, we know that, that both in Peter's mind in Acts 3, but also in the Lord's mind in Genesis, he's, it's speaking of Jesus Christ, the blessing to the nations, right? We cannot miss that important fact. But us as being the offspring by faith of Christ Jesus, him being the firstborn of many brethren. Him being the firstborn of all creation, the new creation. We now, in his likeness, bear his image and bear that blessing to the nations. Do you see that? Do you see that? This ought to be such an encouragement to us. This has been the Lord's plan from the beginning James 1.18 tells us that we've been brought forth by his own will, by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So often I think that we pray for boldness, for a bold witness. But I believe that what I'm saying today will have its fullest effect when we truly understand the force behind the mission of which we have been sent. See, on the one hand, there's the internal implication, which is so important. That's that part of, of knowing and understanding who God is for us and what he has done for us personally. We cannot miss that inward-facing aspect of, of the promise that I will bless you. That blessing through Christ Jesus is salvific. It's salvation for us. But we cannot miss the other part of that, which is 
and I will bless all the families of the nations. And that's the sending, that's the outward-facing aspect of that promise. And that we cannot miss the importance of that either. Because the blessing, while it's internalized and it's realized in us personally, it has an external and outward and a going and ascending implication to it. And that's part of the promise as well. See, I believe this boldness that we ask for, this boldness that we pray for, this boldness that we desire, this risky faith as it was mentioned a few weeks ago, bold obedience necessitates bold understanding. It has to originate in our understanding of the impetus of why we have been sent. We need both. Precise obedience necessitates precise understanding. And as we go, as we do, we go with the understanding not just of he who sends us or the power by which we have been sent or the mission to which we have been sent into, but we go understanding that in all of those things, in all of those incredibly important things, we're participating in God's eternal plan for salvation for mankind. A plan which he promised millennium ago to Abraham. And one whose origin really can be traced back into Genesis 3.15 when he foretells of the coming Messiah directly after the fall See, this is the larger perspective that we need. There is no discontinuity in Christ, but it's continuous. It's always been in his heart. It's always been his plan. And now we find our place in the middle of that today. And I'm just gonna land with this thought. I was thinking about, and I had, it was so interesting. Things just kept coming and going from my mind this week, and One of these was the text in Exodus chapter 14 and also Nehemiah 4. Moses and the Israelites, as they're going to the Red Sea and they're being pursued by Pharaoh in Egypt, they're standing at the precipice of what will be and Moses says to the people, do not fear, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. And then he says, the Lord will fight for you. And in Nehemiah 4, when the work is great, Nehemiah says, we're spread thin. Sound the trumpet when you need us to to battle, to, to, to rally together and battle for one another. And he says, God will fight for us. And I was thinking of this need today for like a battle cry again. We need to have such a sense of faith and conviction that we can rally around something that is, that is true, that says, listen, God will fight for us. This is God's thing. This is not our thing. This is his thing. This is his promise. This is his plan. And so that, that God will fight for us kind of rally cry was in my mind this week as I was 
pondering and just putting together what I wanted to say. I'm I'm running short on time, so I'm just going to quickly edit this down. God will fight for us. By myself I have sworn, says the Lord. It's my battle. It's mine to fight. The cause that we take up, the cause that we find ourselves within, it's the Lord's. First and foremost, it's the Lord's. It's his plan of redemption in which we participate, one that begins in him, one that ends with him, right? He will fight for us. He will see to it that his plans are completed and accomplished. He will ensure that not one will be lost, as he says in John 6, it being the will of the Father that not one should be lost. I think we need to simply remember that he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it and that we need to find again that battle cry to raise that standard, that scene, to rally around that God will fight for us, that this is our mission, that this is our mandate, to go and to be a blessing to the nations, to all families of the earth. Pray that the Lord would give us grace do that today. I pray that he would speak through that which I have spoken this morning, Lord. Would you just stand with me, please, as I pray? We ask, Lord, that you would take that which has been spoken. We ask that you would plant it firmly within us. Lord God, I ask that you would help us to see rightly the part that we play within this mission to go, to take, to have been sent. Lord, I pray that we would have such great courage and faith, knowing, Lord, that it is your desire to see the nations be blessed through salvation, to call those whom you have called to draw them unto you. And Lord God, we're humbled that you have chosen to use us within that, Lord. And we ask for that radical and clear and bold understanding that we might be radical and clear and bold in our going and in our proclamation. Father, we do not lean on our own understanding, but we seek yours first and foremost. Help us, God, we pray, in the areas of weakness. Help us, Lord, in our unbelief, we ask. Help us, Lord, in the fear to remember that it is God who fights for us, that it is your battle of which we are engaged within. Lord, we ask that great fruit would come as a result of our bold obedience in the name of Jesus. And we pray for this city today. And we ask, Lord, that you would use us to herald the gospel of grace and peace in a hopeless and upside-down world. And I pray, Lord, that as we go, you would give us the boldness to continue. Unto you, all-powerful, immortal, all-glorious, and faithful King, unto you may all glory be given. In the name of Jesus, we say amen. Amen. Well, it's 12 on the dot, but what I'd like to do is just...
like, give us a little few more and let's respond if we can. Just in, do we have a song to worship out this morning? Or did you have a sense of you wanted to put some punctuation on that? Okay, great. I just have this sense that, that this is such an important teaching, and I don't feel like it's been able to be. Yeah. Matt did a good job of communicating, right. but Go there's ahead. something about, you know, all the, the, the new thing now is, is finding out your DNA, you know, the, going back and tracing your family tree and all that. And we get all excited. We go back maybe 50 or 100 years even, you know. Matt traced for us today our spiritual DNA. If you ever have a family shield, you get all excited about having a family. Today, Matt gave us a family shield. Can, you, can we know that we are sons and daughters in faith? The promise that was spoken to Abraham, you and I are the fulfillment of, and the means by which it's continued. So, and, and because of that, that's the confidence we have that Matt is teaching of the certainty of the fruitfulness of it. It has nothing to do with you and me. We're the instrument. We speak. But it's God. And I thought about in, in, in Matthew 16, you know, when he asks, the Lord asks, who do you say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And Peter gets the right answer for a minute. And then Jesus' response is, upon your confession of faith, he said, what will happen? I will what? Build my church. It's God. Matt said it. It's God's, it's God's work. This is God's thing, not ours. Settle it into our hearts, Lord. Settle it.